This is the MDRT Podcast. Clients have many reasons to be uneasy about retirement. They may not know when they can retire, or what they'll do, or how much money they'll need. During a recent conversation at MDRT headquarters, Michaela Scott, Andover, Massachusetts. Brent Kimball, Concord, New Hampshire. Rick Jones, Vancouver, British Columbia. And Hapri Atwal, Solihull in England. Discussed how they address the topic and clients who demonstrate the importance of this planning. It's a question of the money's really interesting, how much they think they need and how much they actually need. So a lot of them will mention a figure of, let's pick a British figure of £10,000 a year. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure that's enough? Let's start talking about the things you'll be doing with that £10,000 a year, your holidays or your gardening or your walking or your coffee shops. Would you be going to Costa Coffee or one of the local Starbucks more often? So one of the biggest things is getting the figure right and that takes one to ask a client to really get to grips and understand what they're actually going to be doing when they're retiring because we're all in this kind of functional, habitual world of going to work, earning money, going to work, earning money. But retirement's not like that. You're relying on other people to give you money and it's a question of what you're going to do with your free time. Is there a challenge in getting them to realise that? Yeah, people are so obsessed with their own personal worlds and, and maybe, or rightly or wrongly, they sit in a, an advisor's office and they panic. So they don't want to say too much. They don't want to say, oh, I want the, you know huge sums. Some clients are better than the others. You find the ones that are, I deal with a lot of business owners, the ones that are business owners and understand the value of uh, expenditure and money, they seem to have a better understanding, from my opinion. They kind of realise that actually we need this, realistically, we need this figure of money to retire. The worst are the em- employed have found. Um, they don't. They actually don't think they're going to spend very much at all. So just be often. I ask a client, talk to me about your retirement, and get just getting over the facts and the figures away from the maths, and more about talk to me about retirement. Tell me what you're heading with this. I find a lot of people compare. I think more than any of the other topics we might cover with our clients, the retirement, pre-retirees, people just recently retired. My friend's doing this, I'm doing this, he just retired. They talk about it more than maybe, hey, how much disability insurance do you have? How much life insurance do you have? They're asking, how did you figure out you could retire? So one of the biggest issues that we have originally is having someone come in fresh and saying, what are your expectations? And getting them to explain where they're at, what they've heard. What are your concerns? Are they your concerns or are they somebody else's? Who's projecting on you? Who else are you listening to? So that we can really get down to talking about them. It will come up, you know, now and again, what are your other clients doing? What's the number? And we have to bring it to them because their situation will be unique. Maybe they are going to spend a ton when they first retire and then they're going to slow down. And then other clients who they've been savers their whole life and it's hard to get them to spend money. But then when they have grandkids, they start. So just explaining and showing them that it's different and that they are unique and the more comfortable you can make a client feel, the better of an advisor you're going to be able to be. So that's a lot of the conversation. As a segue to what has just been said about trying to get an understanding as to what the clients expect in retirement, because I do total financial planning, whether it's a younger client or a client I've been referred to by an accountant to do the specifically retirement planning because they're about to start using assets to withdraw money from. I have the same question, and I think I probably learned this question at MDRT. 
so I won't take credit for it, but I think it's the most powerful question I ask my clients, and I ask it at the beginning, every, every interview, and the question is, if it's five years from now, and we look at back today, when you've met me, and we've done planning together, what would you have wanted to accomplish in that five-year period? And specifically, I don't want to know about numbers. I don't want to know about financial assets that you own or things that you've bought necessarily. I really want to know about how you envision your life. Will you be volunteering? Will you be consulting? Will you be doing a second job? Will you be gifting to grandchildren? I actually feed them questions. But the basic question is, and it's a very difficult question for clients, for all of us, if it's five years from now and we look at back today, what would we have accomplished? That's good. I know one of the things that we talk about with our clients, we kind of address this. There seems to be this idea of when I retire, I can live off 60% of what I was consuming when I wasn't retired. And I try and get down to the brass tacks of where the heck did that come from? And we were just talking about that. When these folks take their month-long vacation in Italy, are you spending more in that month uh, than you are in the 11 months when you're in Vancouver working? And of course, they're spending a lot more. They're drinking more wine and they're drinking more wine. Um, So that's one of the things that we talk about because people have this preconceived notion that I'm not going to need as much money. The other thing too is a question that I learned at MDRT too was tell me what money means to you. Well, without even getting more into it, what does money mean to you? What is it intended to do? And then just be quiet and it's an amazing thing. They'll tell you. What unique stories come to mind about the importance of thinking about income solutions? Uh, That's kind of an easy one for me because one of my clients just passed away a couple months ago and I thought she was going to outlive her money. In fact, I was convinced she would outlive her money because she was married to a banker who didn't believe in life insurance. And the first meeting I ever had with him, he took me outside after the interview and I noticed his head was shaven and he says, my family doesn't realize the severity of this but I've got like three months to a year to live because I have cancer. And I really like you and I really like your credentials and you're it for my family. And I went home to my wife at the time and said, I just had a very scary thing happen to me. I had a guy that believed in me after an hour and a half so much he wanted to hire me as his planner for his family. But it's very scary because I don't think I'm gonna really be able to tell them the things I need to tell them to get them through this because both of their children are in co- high school and going to go to college. So it's, long story short, I had to go back to this woman after her husband died in three months and say, you've never worked, you don't have any medical insurance, your kids are about to enter college, your husband didn't leave you enough money. You're going to have to sell the house, You're gonna have to roll his pension plan and start taking retirement income from it. And I outlined about five points. One included stop smoking cigarettes because it was too expensive and gonna hurt her health. She looked at me and laughed and said, well, if I continue smoking, I'll die sooner and I won't have to worry. Ironically, that's what she actually died of was lung cancer just a couple of months ago. And she died leaving her kids about $30,000. 
out of the millions we started with because she needed it all to live with. Because one of the bullet points, even though she did everything else I said, including telling her kids I couldn't live at home during college, that they had to go get their own places and work and sell her house and take that money to invest it to buy a smaller place, which she did. One of the things she didn't do was go get a part-time job so she'd have health insurance. And the health insurance totally drained a lot of her assets over that time. It's been the scariest planning I've ever done for anyone because I've always felt I had failed her. But then again, I've got a whole pile of notes at home in my office in a drawer, a special drawer where I keep the good notes from the clients. And every Christmas she wrote me a letter. And it wasn't just a letter, it was a poem. And it was about how much she embraced life and was living life and loved her life and appreciated me. I had one. It was uh, a client of mine. He was uh, chief of medicine at St. Paul's in Vancouver, Princeton educated, 55 years old, ran marathons. He always made a point of taking the stairs up to his 10th floor office at St. Paul's. And uh, this one time he was halfway up the stairs and he was short of breath and had chest pains. This guy was like 3% body fat. Luckily, he was at St. Paul's Hospital, and his buddy, who was the chief of cardiology, got to them, and they did a quadruple bypass on him. The cool thing was, uh, about a year prior to that, we were talking about his upcoming retirement, his pensions and all that, and this was right back when critical illness was kind of new and exciting. And I sold him a 150 critical illness policy. And the cool thing about that was that critical illness policy paid out. It was $150,000 that allowed him to take a year off work because it was tax-free. And the, the long and the short of it was he recovered from his heart attack and his bypass surgery. He didn't have to dip into his savings, his retirement savings, for this year that he took off. And uh, years later, he did retire. Uh, with his retirement savings intact. So when we're talking about retirement planning, I, I know that uh, for me, I'm often looking at the investments and how, and how all that works, but we don't always think about um, the unforeseen. And uh, that was one case where uh, I was very proud that I kind of put the screws to him and sold him a critical illness policy. You can only push so hard. They either see it or they don't. And it's a matter of painting a picture. And in his, it was almost a self-fulfilling prophecy. He knew as a medical doctor that heart attacks and strokes and, uh, and cancer are not killing people as readily as they used to. They're just really messing them up. Uh, and they're messing up their finances. So I just kind of paint the picture and what I'll often say now, and he was a good test case, is with modern medicine now, you might survive the heart attack. So congratulations, you're healthy. The other side of the coin is you're broke because you had to dip into your savings. So why don't we have it as a win-win? Congratulations, you're healthy. Congratulations, you're not broke. It helps. I would just like to add a little bit to that. Thank you. There's a couple of words I use. I talk about if someone was to suffer a critical illness, it's a shock. So I'd say be prepared if a shock was to incur. Ignore the word critical illness cover, it's shock cover. So I draw a diagram and um, we can easily put a line straight across to say your income is pretty consistent. However, if you were to incur a shock, it would not be as such. I will guarantee and have seen 
through personal experience, clients significantly dip into their savings should they earn a critical illness. You, Mr. Client, are priceless to me. You are worth millions. I say that to them. I say your brain, your everything, you're worth millions to me. So, um, and I guarantee if you were to suffer an illness, you would spend as much as you could to get yourself better. Would you agree? And then I twist to them and ask them. And 99% they agree. And I said, and the other thing is your wife or your husband, your partner, if they got ill, would you think you'd go to work? I can pretty much guarantee you wouldn't even want to go to work. You're very successful, you're very driven. But I could assure you, if you've ever experienced this type of shock, you wouldn't even want to go to work. So now would you consider taking some shock cover? And nine times out of 10, the clients understand the real perspective of such a policy. And comparing that to, to retirement planning, if we don't take out the cover, I have a, have a policy where I, I discuss it quite early on, uh, shock cover, because if we don't take shock cover out, well, all those dreams of having retirement, these pots of money that we're going to build up are uh, worthless because you will spend them to get the retirement. And I don't want to waste all the money we're going to put towards those plans. My most rewarding experiences with retirement planning are in two spectrums. People like myself, I'm in my 20s. And I know if I didn't enter this career, I, I probably would not be saving at the level I currently am, having been inspired by my clients who do live well in retirement now, but helping to show younger clients that their savings has to come first because they don't want to bind themselves into expenses, expecting a raise, and then they'll save. And then they get the raise and something else comes up, and then they'll save when they get their next bonus. And so you just delay and delay your savings and those little bits add up. And I love having been in the business eight years and seeing these clients with pots of money, just making them save first. I ask them to speak to their parents, whether their parents are very well off for retirement or whether their parents really messed up. Either case, they will be inspired to save. And then the other spectrum are those clients who are retired, especially the couples I work with, the ones that have done a really good job saving and they're having a hard time spending. They get nervous about spending it because they transition from building and building this big pot of money to now within a day, they retired and they have to turn it on and drain it. And that is challenging for a lot of my clients. So we talk about and we spend a lot of time making them feel a same comfort level with their spending. You know, the, the spouse might wanna put in a new kitchen and the other spouse, is ju they're just not ready for it. They're used to a paycheck coming in. If they spend the 30, they don't have another you know, bonus to replace it. They don't have another paycheck to replace it. So we show them and we stress test and we show them numbers if they need it. Of course, part's behavioral, but part is showing them the numbers so that they can see, you know, even if we stress test your portfolio, even if we have an extended care event, even if these things happen, you can afford to do this. Now, how important is to you as a couple? And they can go back and, and decide on their own. But I think some of the best meetings are the ones where you don't get any answers, much like you were referring to with your clients. You ask a bunch of those questions, and they leave the meeting. And in the car ride home, they're like, mind spinning. They're talking, and they call you a week later. And they've had these epiphanies, these people who've lived together 40 years and they're deciding together on, and reinvigorated on how they want to live their lives and what they want money to do for them, and I, I find that really empowering. 
That brings us to the end of this month's episode. If you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes at MDRT Podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thank you.